But let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for the opportunity again to gather around your word, Lord. Again, we thank you, Lord, that you have not left us here on this earth comfortless and alone, Lord. You have given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, and oftentimes, Lord, as we, we go through this life and the busyness and oh, the this and the that of life, come what may, Lord, we, get, we can get distracted from who you are. So it's so good, Lord, just to, to settle down and just enjoy one another's fellowship, Lord, but also just to settle down around your word, knowing that you are here in our midst, Lord, and that is a promise of your word, Lord, that where we gather, when we gather in your name, you are here in our midst. So we thank you, Lord, for your presence by your spirit. We pray that your Holy Spirit will teach us this morning, that you would counsel us, that you would guide us, that you would lead and direct us in the the way that you would have us to go, Lord. You desire that we would walk in the path of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord. You desire that we would fix our eyes on you as the author and the finisher of our faith. So we just pause right now to do just that, and we just acknowledge you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we will go ahead and begin to take a look at Matthew chapter 6 kind of going through the book of Matthew here at a snail's pace, right? But go ahead and take a moment to find Matthew chapter 6, and then we'll go ahead and jump right on into verse 1. So Matthew 6, 1. Jesus speaking says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, we'll pause right there because it's important that we take note to what Jesus is wanting us to know here in this section of scriptures as Jesus is teaching. And he's teaching us here that first of all, we do indeed need to be doing charitable deeds. As followers of Christ, we should be known as charitable people, right? That is, we should have hearts and actions that display our willingness to give to others that have need. And with that in mind, I'd like to take a moment and tell you guys that I need a $64 million jet plane, right? (laughs) Because how else can I get to Australia and these other places, the Fiji Islands, and preach the Bible? I mean, so I need a 64, just kidding. Right? We hear that kind of stuff nowadays, though, don't we? You know? So isn't that sad, though, that that what charity has a reputation of nowadays, right? People making donations where donations are not really needed for ridiculous things, right? But of course we know that Jesus is not at all talking about that ridiculous kind of thing here. But again, it's very important that we keep in mind the the kind of person, the kind of people, right, that Jesus does want us to be from within our hearts. And remember, as we've been studying these teachings through Matthew, and as Jesus especially here is teaching in, in the Beatitudes, what we call the Beatitudes, we're seeing that it's a matter of the heart. And that's where charity begins, right? Charity begins in the heart. And then charity is then expressed in our actions, right, our deeds. And if we're not charitable people, then we indeed are falling short 
of the life that our Lord God desires us to live. And not only are we to be charitable people, but we are to be to be so in a, mad, in a manner that is only between us and God. That's what Jesus is saying here. He continues in verse 2, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will himself reward you openly. So what we are seeing here, again, in this teaching of Jesus thus far today, is that we are not to be people that do our good deeds in a manner that is trying to impress others or to attract notice to ourselves. We are to live our lives out on this planet as a people that understand that God sees our every move. He knows what's going on in our lives. And that, and that is all we really should care about, right? Living to please our Father in heaven and not others here on this earth, right? We should desire that God and God alone sees and is pleased with the way that we live. And this type of life is, is not an attention-grabbing life, but rather a humble, unpretentious kind of life where we are, we're not seeking to impress others with an appearance of greater importance, as if we're somebody. We're lifting ourselves up. Again, as I've mentioned in the past, there is nothing about the Christian life that gives us the right to have a better-than-thou kind of mentality. Jesus displayed quite the opposite in the way that he lived while he walked on this earth here. And as followers of him, we are to be like him in the way that we live this time that we've been given here. Jesus continues in verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the secret place that you go off to to pray all alone. Jesus is saying that that is where the Father will meet you. The secret place that others do not know what you're doing there. God the Father will meet you there and will know and you will know his presence and that alone is great reward. It doesn't have to be a room. That's not the point that Jesus is making here because we know that Jesus himself when he prayed, he went off into the mountain and prayed alone, right? It wasn't a room with walls, but it was a place where he was alone with his Father. And that's the point that Jesus is making here. Take prayer seriously. Be intimate in prayer with God. Spend the time to do it, okay? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Be alone and unpretentious with God. Giving and, and, giving and praying, right? Being charitable and prayer are things that are between you and God, and our Lord Jesus wants us doing both, we see. 
Then starting in verse 7, Jesus gets a little more detailed with us about prayer here. And he says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. It's interesting here, but the word that was used in the original Greek text of the New Testament for vain repetitions, where it says vain repetitions there, it's batalageo. Okay, the word is batalageo. That's the Greek word. And it is a word that seems to have its origin from a man named Batus. There was this man named Batus, and he was a writer of poems. And they said that his poems were very tedious to read and very wordy. So this word came from that man, and it was this batalageo word. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Don't be like that. Don't use vain repetitions where you're tedious and wordy and all that. It's not necessary that we wax philosophical in prayer. A lot of times we think we have to pray, Oh, Heavenly Father, if Thou wouldest doest this, you know, or pray in some philosophical kind of, you know, wordy way that makes us look smart and all of that kind of stuff, when really what God wants is just our heart in prayer. He just wants us to open our hearts. I mean, if we can talk to one another as brother and sisters that love one another in Christ in simplicity, we can go to a God that has a throne of grace and just talk to Him in in simplicity. God wants time alone with us. And that's why Jesus is expressing this Go somewhere, get off in prayer. In other words, take prayer seriously. It's not just a quick morning prayer before you get out of bed. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but what Jesus expresses is to, to, to be intimate in prayer, right? But And it's not necessary that we repeat a, a certain canned prayer over and over again as if there's some sort of power to a certain set of words we use, right? God doesn't hear us because of our carefully spoken words. He, he hears us simply because we are his children, right? That's why he hears us. If you have a child that has a speech impediment of some sort, and that child comes to speak to you and wants to express their heart to you about something, you wouldn't turn that child away for their lack of ability to communicate, right? And we're earthly people on this earth, right? You and your love for that child would give special attention to try and figure out what that child is saying in that moment. And you, as a parent, if you have a child, you would, you would want time with that child to sit down and talk to that child and hear the heart of that child so that you can instruct that child and know how they're growing and all that, right? And that's what God wants, from us and our relationship with Him. And if we approach God thinking that our re- religiosity is something special or it makes us better than others or gives us special attention in the sight of God, then we're sadly mistaken. Because Jesus is pointing out here the importance of how, you know, how open the Father is to hear our prayers. Therefore, verse 8, therefore do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Okay? So He knows the things we have need of before we ask Him, but that doesn't mean we don't go ask Him. 
That don't mean we don't go spend the time with him, right? He wants us to come to him. That's the God we serve, a God who knows our needs, a God that wants to spend time with us alone and wants to have you know, what is best for us in his eyes. That's the key, right? It's what he knows is best for us and not what we think we need is best for us, right? And this is the kind of heart with which we are to approach God. Psalm 9.12 says that God remembers and forgets not the cry of the humble. But again, we're approaching God in humility, okay? He remembers and forgets not the cry of the humble, Psalm 912. Psalm 10:17 says that God hears the desire of the humble and that he will prepare their heart and cause his ear to hear them. Who? The humble, those that humbly approach him, right? And reverently come before him. In the book of James chapter 4, in verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So humility is the key thing, and that's how we're coming to God. Okay? not thinking too highly of ourselves, not drawing attention to ourselves, not thinking that we have the right for God to hear us, but rather approaching God in a quiet and a secret manner because He, is, he alone is great and mighty and able to lift us up and to sustain us in this life. All right, let's, let's take a look at something written in Luke chapter 18. Go ahead and mark this page in Matthew and find Luke chapter 18. Just a few books to the right. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Right, so two books, Matthew, Mark, then Luke. Luke chapter 18. And starting down in verse 10. So Jesus is speaking here again. Luke 18.10, and this is what Jesus says. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, in case you don't know, the Pharisee in this story would be the piously religious guy, right? And the tax collector would be the despised lowlife, okay? And Jesus continues and says in verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus, with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So do you see the type of man this is, right? He relies on his religion. He brags about what he does. The attention is all on him. He, he's a good guy in his own eyes and probably in the eyes of some other people as well. He's a religious leader who's proud of his position. Not an example of humility here at all, right? Now let's look at the other guy, verse 13. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself 
will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So here we are seeing the heart of Jesus in all this. We're seeing how Jesus wants us to be in this life of faith that we now live, right? Again, humility. Humility is the key thing. So with all of this in mind, we turn back now to Matthew chapter 6. And then in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So right off the bat here, what is the focus of prayer? Is the focus of prayer your need, my need? Is, is the focus on me or on you, right? Are you coming to God in prayer in a manner that displays it's all about you? That shouldn't be the case. We go to God in prayer because of how great He is. Humility is the beginning of prayer. It's not, oh, how important my need is, God. Right? It's hallowed be your name. God. Consecrated. That's what that word means. Hallowed. Consecrated. Set apart. Special. Holy. Above all else is God. And that's how we approach God in prayer. That's the beginning of all prayer. This is not a canned prayer that Jesus is giving to us here, but rather, rather a model for prayer. He's saying when you pray, pray like this. Pray in this manner. He's, he's not really saying pray these exact words. But he's giving a model prayer, a layout, right, of what prayer should look like for us. This is how we should humbly approach God. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, how much of what Jesus is teaching us here is about us getting what we want? That's not the heart that Jesus wants us to have. John the Baptist displayed a wonderful heart after God when he stated about Jesus. He said, he must increase and I must decrease, right? And, and we have to be careful today that our Christianity is not about us increasing. But unfortunately, that's what much of Christianity is about today. You know, how great of a life you can have, how wonderful it can be for you, how prosperous you can be, how all of this, right? You know, all, we can have all this, but we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift us up. God is worthy. Hallowed be His name. He is worthy, right, that we come to Him humbly and reverently. Today, Christianity has adopted the worldly mentality of grab all you can now, Store up for your future so that you never have any need. But, we, but when, we, when we're grabbing all we can and we're storing up for our future and that's our mentality, that's our heart, we don't have no need to trust in God. We don't have no need to wait on the Lord for His provision or whatever. Churches have become places today for financial seminars and, 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 and retirement planning events. And it's very clear that God wants us trusting in Him for our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. We'll see here, right? Verse 11, that's what it says. Give us this day our daily bread. So again, we don't, what we don't see here 
is give us this day our 401k, right? That's not the model prayer that Jesus is given here. Now, as I'm making these statements, right, let me make something very clear again. The life that Jesus teaches us is a life lived from the heart, okay? Is it sin to have a 401k? Is it sin to save money for the future? Is it sin to have things? No, no and no, right? But what Jesus wants for our lives is that our hearts are fixed on God and not ourselves, right? You can't serve two masters, Jesus said. Either you will love one and hate the other, right? He says, you can't do that. So the focus has to be everything is about God. Everything is, you know, on Him. And let me tell you something. God's will can be accomplished whether you're poor or whether you're in the middle class, as they call it, or whether you're rich. It has nothing to do with God's purpose in, the, in our lives. It says that the, the, God works in us to, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He's working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. He's molding and shaping us to be the men and women that He wants us to be on this earth. Okay, so whether we're rich or whether we're poor or somewhere in the middle, it really doesn't matter, right? God's will can be accomplished with you being sick, you being in mediocre health, or you being extremely healthy, right? If you find yourself rich in this world, don't trust in the riches. If you find yourself in the middle or in poverty, don't, don't worry about it. That's not what it's about. That's not what seeking God's about. That's not what the Christian life is all about. But it's sad that that kind of thing has crept in, that worldly mentality has crept into Christianity, making Christianity all about that kind of thing. Financial seminars and retirement events and all of this kind of stuff that go on in our churches today, but the heart's not being changed. You know, people are praising God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. And what Jesus teaches us, what we see in the Scripture, what we need to learn as we gather around the Word of God, is that, no, we can't be like that. We need to be the way that the Lord wants us to be. Don't trust in anything that is of this world. We need to trust in God. Humbly and reverently approach God and be completely content with His will being done in our lives. Godliness with contentment is great gain, the scripture says. That's great gain. That's what great gain is. That's what true prosperity is. Godliness with contentment. Having a heart that's content and at peace with what, whatever state of life you're at, wherever you are. If, again, if you have abundance, you have riches, be a charitable person. If you're poor, be a charitable person. Right? Whatever it is, right? Have and give as if it all belongs to God. But let's keep the house of God what Jesus proclaimed it to be. And Jesus said it's not a house of merchandise. It's not about prosperity and buying and selling. Jesus got very, that's the first time you see Jesus get extremely angry is when, he's, when he sees them make the house of God into some merchandising type place, right? And he tears the place up. Because what, what did he say it should be? It should be a house of prayer. And that's what we're talking about here, being people of prayer. 
Jesus says here, give us this day our daily bread. He speaks of daily provision here, right? You know, Jesus gives an example uh, later on. I believe it's in this chapter, but anyway, he gives us an example of consider the birds of the air, right? He, consider, he says, consider them. What do they do? They neither, they, they, don't, they don't store up in barns. They neither sow nor reap. But you ever watch a bird? They just fly and they get what they need. They get a worm or they get a little bug or they get whatever. And this is what Jesus is saying in this chapter. We're not going to get to that portion of it today, right? But for some, their daily provision is less. For some, it's more. Either way, we must trust in God for his will to be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Again, if you have much or if you have little, do not be greedy with what you have. God loves a cheerful giver. So give in proportion with what you have. Matter of fact, let's go look at that, those scriptures. Go ahead and mark this page again and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So it's to the right of where we are. We're in Matthew. You have Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll start reading down in verse 6. Here, Paul, here in, this, in this, these verses, Paul is taking up a collection for the believers in Jesus Christ that are going through some very difficult times. That's what this is about. And he's taking up a collection for these saints that, you know, that are going through some bad times. And he says in verse 6, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound, Toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So again, we are to be givers to others that have need. And our giving comes from who we are in our hearts. That is our innermost being. Let each one determine in their own hearts how they're going to give. And then don't do it grudgingly. Do what you can, whatever you can. But the Bible teaches us to be giving people. What type of person are we in our souls, right? Are we followers of the teaching of Jesus? That is, is are we doers of the word of God? If so, we understand that this life is to be lived for God. This life is to be lived with a love for God. Understanding that it is all His. 
the earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness. How much would we have if not for God's creation? What would we have? The electricity that runs our home, the oil, the, the gasoline that, that moves our cars, and everything we have, where does it come from? It comes from God's creation. The food that grows in the ground, the cattle, it's all God's creation. The earth is Lord, is the Lord's, and for His pleasure it was created. But yet we're His greatest creation, and, and He loves us. And he desires that we would trust in him and seek him for our, for our daily bread. Right? And of course, Jesus will go on later in this chapter as well, right, to talk about don't worry. Don't, you know, but how easy is that? Right? It's very easy. Why is it so easy for us to worry? I, I shouldn't be jumping into this because I'll probably talk about it next time. But why is it so easy for us to worry? Because we focus our minds on these things. You know, and like, oh, how am I going to do this? Oh, how's this going to happen? How am I going to pay that bill? How am I going to get through this time? I'm the number one center of this thing. I'm not talking about everyone else here, right? We, we go through these times, right? We go through these things. But there's a cure to it, right? There's a cure to it, and it's trusting in God and resting in God and not letting life get us out of control like that. But God knows our needs. He knows our weaknesses, and he wants us to seek him. Seek him in prayer. Say, God, this is where I am today. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Help me, God. Calm me down. And we study the word of God, and we read it, and we say, okay, I'm going to apply this to my life, and I'm going to get through this time. And every time we go through things, God gets us through it, and he takes us through it, right? So we are to live in such a manner that shows that the things of this world do not possess us. God is the one to give to us as He wills. We then, from a charitable heart, give back and give to others, understanding that it's God that's supplying our needs. Okay. So when we approach God in prayer, we approach Him with this kind of heart, the heart that says, I am nothing, God. You are everything, God. Hallowed be your name, God. Give me only what you think I need today, God. Give me my daily bread because it's all yours. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Just give me my daily bread, God. That's all I need because it's all yours and I just want your will to be done. So back in Matthew chapter 6 now, Jesus continues to teach us how we should pray, right? And he says in verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, that's pretty plain and simple, isn't it? We are to, to again, be humble people, trusting not, you know, in our will to be done, but God's will. We're, we're to be people of forgiveness. And on a daily basis in this life, there will be offenses that come our way. You know, people will say things wrong, treat us poorly, or whatever. But from our hearts, we must be people of forgiveness. Not letting our hearts become bitter or revengeful, revengeful, right? Being full of grace and mercy. And as we pray in this manner, we also ask God, as Jesus says in verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
And Jesus says in verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Right? So this is where we trust that God by His Spirit will lead and guide us through this life as we are completely placing our trust in Him. The kingdom is God's. The power is God's. The glory is God's. We don't hold the power to be unforgiving. But if God sees and for, forgives us, right? If He sees a, an unforgiving heart in us, He does hold the power to make sure that that gets corrected in us. And unforgiveness will hurt us as well, right? It's not our kingdom. It's not our will being done. We are powerless without Him. And we should not be seeking our own glory, but His glory. His is the power. His is the kingdom. His is the glory. Okay? He supplies our daily needs, not our daily greeds. Right? Again, it's not about us getting what we want. A needy heart is a loving heart, a thankful heart. A needy heart is a giving heart, a charitable heart. And when we put ourselves before God, we're needy because He's God. He's awesome and, and He's great. A greedy heart, on the other hand, is a selfish heart, a self-seeking heart, a self-indulging heart. And we must ask ourselves again today, where are we as it pertains to these teachings of Jesus? This is why we gather right, around the Word of God so we can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Him. We all need to grow. We all fall short. We all need to keep growing. None of us have arrived. Okay? So and I believe there's a lot for us to chew on here in this study this morning. So I'm going to stop here in this part of Matthew chapter 6. We'll study this chapter more the next time that we gather, if it be the Lord's will. But let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, again, thank you for your word. It is living. It is active. It is sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts deep within us, God. We, we see our weaknesses. We see our flaws because of the power of your word. But God, that, that, that does not give us an excuse, though, to just say, oh, I give up. I can't do it because we can do all things through you, Jesus, which strengthens us. You are alone are the one able to do great and mighty things within us. And as I said earlier, Lord, you are working within us to will and to do of your good pleasure, Lord. So as those of us sit here this morning and those that will listen to this teaching on the internet, God, I just pray your will to be done in all of our hearts, Lord. You have a perfect plan. You have a will. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. So we thank you, God, for your love, your love in which you so love the world that you were willing to give your only begotten son that whomsoever would believe on Him, whoever would stand on faith on Jesus, in Jesus Christ, will not perish, but have an everlasting life. We thank You for eternal life, Jesus, that was purchased by Your blood. For the time being, we are here, Lord, and we need Your strength and Your power. Pour out Your Spirit upon us, Lord, 
and convict us and convince us of the truth of your word. Again, we acknowledge you in the day, in the start of this week, your will to be done, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.